This is the Content Design and Delivery Podcast with Michael Toner. Each episode, Toner discusses marketing and communication strategies with business leaders, designers, and content marketers that help shine the light on successful companies and marketing ideas. If you understand just how important content design and delivery is to the overall story you and your company is trying to share with the world, then listen along to Content Design and Delivery with your host, Michael Toner. Welcome back. I'm your host, Michael Toner, and in this episode, I'm excited to introduce you to one of my longtime friends, Danielle McKendrick. Danielle is the creative director at Artemis Ward in Washington, D.C., and she's one of the first people I reached out to when I knew I wanted to talk to creative people and have discussions about content and strategy and design and how it all works together. She really understands strategy when it comes to design. And in this conversation, Danielle talks about her approach to storytelling and how it's rooted in journalism, and how Artemis Ward is thinking about online and offline events. We talk about why design and storytelling have to have a seat at the strategy table. I hope you enjoy. This is Danielle McKendrick, Creative Director at Artemis Ward on the Content Design and Delivery Podcast. All right. Thank you, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Content Design and Delivery Podcast. I'm Michael Toner. Joined today with a really exciting guest, uh, Danielle McKendrick, the creative director at Artemis Ward. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thanks for Thank thanks you. for coming on. Uh, if you could introduce yourself, provide a little background on your role as as creative director at Artemis Ward, and tell us a little bit about the organization as well. Sure. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. This is especially exciting, just having known you for so long. So I'm super jazzed to be here and talk about myself and what I do. So my name is Danielle McKendrick, and I'm a creative director at Artemis Ford. Um, I'd like to consider myself a multidisciplinary designer. And then what that means day to day is basically I'm a creative problem solver. Um, I have a background in graphic design and interactive design, and I got a degree in media arts and design at James Madison University, which we both attended. Yeah, proud SMAT alum. Um, and, and really, I've been a professional designer and strategist for 15 years now, and I've just tried to seek out opportunities to tell stories through content and design, and that I've probably been doing for about 20 years, as long as you and I have yeah. known each other. Um, and at yeah. present, I'm creative director at Artemis Ward. For those who don't know, Artemis Ward is a global creative agency, and we partner with brands and companies and organizations to tell compelling stories. Um, I lead the design UX team there. So we're building brand and product experiences that live in both the digital and physical space. And really that takes shape for us in producing creative campaigns and design systems for clients like Microsoft, Nike, National Geographic. And then we would do work um, with local and national nonprofits like DC Scores and Barbershop Books. And I'm honestly, it's such a, such an awesome job. I'm just extremely grateful to be in an industry and field that I love. And I'm super stoked to like nerd out on all things design. With yeah, you let's, today. let's get into it. I mean, I'd say I was so excited to reach out to you several weeks ago, you know, when you and I first worked together. So, well, I'll go even further back, which is to say uh, you're responsible for the design of, of my, of our high school yearbook. Um, and that's really where I recognize your skill set. I mean, that's the truth and, and probably where we, we became friends. Um, I knew you as a pure play designer, uh, that you were skilled in Photoshop and the full Adobe Creative Suite. And then obviously throughout college, sort of watching you uh, take that and, and launch it into a professional career. I love hearing you say uh, a creative 
problem solver because I think on some of the projects that you and I have been able to work on together, that was one of the things I leaned into. Um, you know, most folks, I think, rightly or wrongly, see design as just a pure function. And I always mm-hmm. knew, and you always brought to the table the um, the creative problem solving side of it. So as I was building websites or creating some marketing strategy, you were both contributing to and piggybacking on whatever the solution I was putting forward in how design was going to uh, add on to that. So, um, you know, how did you get your start uh, in design? Was was it the was it the yearbook class? Was that how you really got got started? I mean, it's, it's twofold for sure, because I think it it starts even before that. I, I'm so fortunate that I have a really creative dad. Um, He's always been an early adopter of technology and loves design and is a lighting designer professionally. And so basically through that, he afforded my brother and I an opportunity to play on computers from a very, very young age. That's anything from like video games to applications like kid pics if you remember that from back in the day um and so i think my love for design and sort of playing on computers is completely attributed to him and and even learning photoshop a lot of that was like looking over his shoulder um but i think from there like ultimately the joy in telling stories like took shape in journalism and so that started from like very humble beginnings in yearbook and newspaper class in high school And then that sort of rolled through um, working on a college paper at JMU to my first job out of school was working as a visual designer for a a local newspaper in Virginia. So like that thirst for designing and telling stories through the lens of being a journalist um, has informed, I mean, it shaped my early career, but it informs everything that I do now um, and has made me a very sort of curious designer where I think... (laughs) as much as it is about art and making something beautiful, I always use the lens of trying to understand my audience and tell stories through, through that, I think that journalism foundation. And and that's, that's sort of informed all the work I've done to date and, and how I work now. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And having that early exposure to computers and really the, the era that you and I grew up on or, or in, um, I can see how that lays a, a foundation for you and, and then hearing your dad's story and, uh, you know, in his, his creative work, I, I can see how all of that starts to come together in, in solving problems with a design lens and, and how design can lead to that. I mean, I'll, I'll fast forward all the way to today in your role as creative director. How is Artemis talking to your clients about design? Is that really um, how you all are walking into conversations about campaign ideas? How are campaign ideas being formed? Talk me through the process. What does it look like? I mean, I think that storytelling lens is is a big part of how we approach all the work we do and just wanting to make sure that we're understanding our audience and telling effective messages. How that relates to design is it's sort of design just an integral part of a broader ecosystem of like content and strategy. And, and so I think we see, uh, well, we talk to our clients about the role of design it's it's underscoring a message and but i think more importantly like designing with purpose creates meaningful connections and experiences so that purpose is driven by a deeper understanding of who's engaging with your content or your product so 
again, I, I can't say enough about the journalism background. And actually, some of my colleagues are former journalists or writers. And, and I think that having that sort of curiosity about this telling the story and the audience you're connecting with um, is a big driving force in how we approach campaign creation, any, really any storytelling creation. And it just starts with that insights gathering and research and understanding your audience and design yeah. plays a big Un- role. Understanding that. the purpose. I can mm-hmm. see, um, you know, that how critical that is. If you're really trying to tell a story and tell a narrative, you've got to get really deep in understanding uh, the values of, of an organization in order to have that portrayed in some sort of creative output. Mm-hmm. I guess I want to dig a little bit on, um, you know, that, that being able to accomplish that obviously comes from having strong relationships with clients obviously, as you're just getting a client relationship started, where do these ideas come from? How, what does that discovery process look like? Like, how are you getting to the point? Is the, is the client bringing those campaign ideas to the table? Are you all asking for a runway to say, hey, we need to know your core values. We need to get to know you. Then we'll come back with a campaign idea. Mm-hmm. Again, just digging a little bit there on, on the uh, creation process of those concepts. Sure. I mean, I think... Obviously, it depends on every relationship, but the way we like to approach new work or even work with existing clients is by asking a lot of questions and aligning with aligning their goals with um, how we can create a campaign or a story that that elevates them. So uh, it is like getting in a room or a virtual room nowadays um, and asking a lot of questions, trying to get to the heart of the story they're trying to tell or, or what they want those main takeaways to be. If it's for a specific campaign, Um, they could come to us with an idea and often do, but I think what we've been fortunate to do is cultivate a relationship and a partnership with our clients where they may have an idea of the thing they need or an idea of the outcome. And then we work together to sort of, tease out what that, what that looks like, what that message is and how it takes shape. Um, But it is like, it's so much about a process of research, discovery, ideation. Um, Then we bring in design, then we bring in refinement and testing. I mean, I think we do a lot of work in the upfront and we almost (laughs) make a joke on ourselves of how much time we spend doing our homework. Um, And it can feel like a much longer upfront process than maybe some folks are used to, but it allows us to find observations, take, gather key insights, and then create a sort of me- more meaningful story that has legs and, and longevity. And that's really sort of how we approach all of the work that we do. And we're really fortunate that our clients are, are, they want to be partners in that process. And so it's less of like them telling us what they want and us producing it. That's certainly not how we work. And we um, would prefer to be like driving that strategy and collaboration from the onset. Yeah, I'd say doing all that homework, I can see that that's also going to help build the trust that the Mm -hmm. client knows that you as the agency understand their business and you're Mm -hmm. doing your homework so that you can show up at the table with an informed strategy. Um, I I think too often I have seen the inverse and and I'm fascinated by that client agency relationship, Um, but I've seen the inverse where the client is coming up with the idea, they're throwing it over the fence to the agency with some expectation of, of executing against that idea. And if you don't have that foundational understanding of their business, uh, it's going to be really hard to meet their expectations. You're, you're never going to deliver whatever it was they were picturing in their head. If you're not at that table. Um, I think it's also really 
telling of the organization of, of, of your agency to uh, have invested that time up front and that your your client base understands that you all are bringing this strategic element to the table and that takes time. Um, so, you know, if that's how you're approaching these relationships, talk to me a little bit about how, you know, once you're maybe a campaign idea has surfaced, you've, you've got this uh, intimate understanding of what it is the client is trying to communicate. How are you bringing the designers? So now bringing it down to the, the tactics here, how are you bringing them to the strategy table? Um, what does that process look like? Do you literally have a, a graphic designer, a videographer in the room? Is it just the strategist? Like I've seen in, in my experience as well, where the designers sit in a whole different room. And so while that strategy and that homework may still be happening, the designer is still in a different room and just taking the requirements. So, so what does that look like? Are, are the designers at the strategy table? Uh, yes. Uh, in short, designers 1000% have a seat at the strategy table. And I think even, even to speak about it more broadly, they're like, they're at any table where there's a conversation happening because they're a key part of the strategy process. I think we're, we're, we have and are continuing to perfect this uh, creative flow where there isn't as many sort of handoffs as you might see in a, in a more traditional format, but rather a lot more cross collaboration and multidisciplinary. We have a multidisciplinary team for that reason, where a designer can be focused on the execution of, you know, creative outputs, but they're also steeped in the strategy and the, and aligned on sort of the goals and, and vision for the project and are, are really contributing and driving to it. So I would say designers are strategists as much as they are um, specialists in creating that product. Um, and I think it having that curious mind and sort of well-rounded skill set is really important for our team to be really agile and for people to play different roles on different teams depending on what's needed. I think especially say we have a client that's solely strategy focused and content creation and messaging focused, no real sort of traditional design work as part of uh, that scope. We're still having designers in the mix on those conversations because they provide a very unique lens to the creative output. Mm. Um, And, and so we just want smart people at the table and in the rooms. And and that of course includes the design team. Um, So yeah, they're, Mm. they're always in the mix. I love that the the multidisciplinary approach in 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 how all of those different lenses can lead to a more uh, holistic creative output. So so how do you find those people? You know, I think that's the other the secret here is um because I think from a training perspective oftentimes these are com- compartmentalized. You've got folks that are, you know, maybe the the outbound account executives, you've got the strategy folks, you've got the uh, account managers, and then you've got the designers and the videographers, they're all in these different buckets. So, you know, what are you, uh, what are you all doing to to find these kinds of creative contributors on your team? What are you all looking for? And, and again, where, where do you find them? <laughs> um, well, there's certainly no specific formula because I think that we're looking for unicorns, right? Everyone's looking for unicorns. Um, but we've, we've sort of determined that like, what we're calling T-shaped individuals is is the most ideal sort of uh, creative contributor on our team, and what that means is like every everyone on our team has a specific discipline that they're highly skilled in, whether that's design or copywriting or a project um, account leading or things like that or strategy. But 
um, we want everyone on our team to have a certain level of, of knowledge and understanding across all disciplines. One, because I think it makes for a more seamless creative collaboration. You know and appreciate um, the work that your colleagues are doing and, and you really have a holistic understanding and appreciation for those roles that we each play on a team. Um, it also kind of puts you on the hook for, for understanding other disciplines that inform the work that you do. So it's not to say that we would at any point have someone who's more specialized in design, uh, you know, project managing a different account. Like that's not what I'm, what I'm saying as much as it's, we want people, we want just smart, curious, uh, well-rounded candidates on our team or creatives on our team. And even if you don't come to the role um, with that experience, you are willing and curious to grow that skill set. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from us just putting our team members in positions to learn that and to be a sponge and, and sort of follow and shadow people in those roles as well. So just really trying to foster an environment where we're agile, highly collaborative and creative, um, and have an appreciation for the work that our, our colleagues do in contributing to the creative outputs. Yeah, the, the broad expertise across the board of, of marketing and campaigns and content and design and all of those things, but a deep vertical expertise in whatever the creative output may be. It, mm-hmm. Maybe to ask a, um, a bit of a, a question on the left field here, but what are you all seeing with in terms of video production? So I know I'm kind of focusing in on your background from graphic design perspective as we're talking about creative outputs. I'm thinking of these as images and graphics and, and that sort of thing, but knowing that video is, is such an important medium right now. Um, do you all have that kind of expertise on staff? Is it something that you contract out? Just curious. It certainly depends on the scale of the project, but I would say to to be an interactive designer in this uh, in this landscape, motion graphics ex- expertise and video editing is sort of just part for the course. I mean, I think um, needing to have an, at least a basic understanding of that is just the direction that this field is going in. Of course, when it comes to broader um, broader scopes and things, we we have a pretty deep bench of of people and companies that we partner with to to cover that type of work. So if we were producing a massive uh, TV spot or something like that, um, we would we would tap in sort of vendors and, and third parties that we have relationships with. That helps us function as a core team more more and with more agility because then we're able to tap development partners, uh, production companies to be an extension of our team um, and, as opposed to keeping everything in-house, which unfortunately is just not possible yeah. uh, budgets and things. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I, I'm just curious to know what's going on with video. I, I can see, especially right now, uh, during these times, uh, in quotes there, that, that video is becoming increasingly more important. It's how I know I've been consuming a lot more video content uh, than I think I have in the past. Again, maybe a little bit uh, off topic here, and then I want to get to maybe some some other specific examples and talking about your uh, your client work and um, and maybe this is the bridge here. I, I sort of have always been in the B two B space in in selling into enterprises, and that's really where I approach from a marketing perspective. Do do you all segment? Um, your storytelling and your creative approach in that way? Are you, you know, as part of the portfolio? And again, maybe this is our bridge into some of the the client examples, but do you segment things between business to business and business to consumer or even government clients? I don't even know that you have any, but um, is that a a segment 
with, for Artemis and, and how you approach your client work? I think we don't do as much of that type of work. I mean, we are definitely expanding our like new business efforts to reach some of the, those different types of audiences and, and different clients. But I'd say for the most part, our process is the same. Like we approach storytelling regardless of who, um, who we're yeah. working with, with, with a similar uh, sort of insights gathering approach and storytelling. Um, just because I think that at the end of the day, regardless of who you're communicating with, you're looking for rich and meaningful stories. And so that may take shape in a bunch of different ways, different formats, different platforms, but our focus is on just telling a great story and making sure we're positioning our clients and brands to be able to engage with the audiences that they want to in a meaningful way and in an appropriate way, again, depending on the sort of channel um, or platform. So I, I think, that yeah, that's, that's helpful. I mean, just in some ways, I, I completely understand that there's really um, not a difference in the way you are, quote, going to market. You, you still have to have something to say. Um, and oftentimes that takes a, a creative um, asset in order to get that message across to your audience. I, I see exactly where you're, where you're going with that. Um, so I, I guess we'll, we'll shift gears just a little bit here. And, and again, whether these are client examples or just from your own personal experience. I'm, I'm always curious to hear somebody with a uh, graphic design, creative mind, you know, what types of messages and marketing campaigns are, are breaking through for you personally? Again, I'll sort of caveat that, especially during these times, you know, <laughs> as you're uh, spending time scrolling and, and consuming content, what types of creative campaigns, especially are breaking through for you? Yeah, um, I think it's been an unprecedented year for all of us uh, to say the least. So I think I've been especially more protective of my time and the content that I'm consuming as a result of all of that sort of mental and emotional fatigue. Um, so with that in mind, I think that's it, still, I still find myself the most drawn to um, real stories and those authentic stories about people um, and then I think as of late, I find myself drawing most to messages about resilience and truth and honesty, um, just needing that sort of refresher um, for content. Uh, and most recently, I mean, I, I've still, I haven't stopped thinking about this spot since I watched it last week, but um, Beats by Dre uh, just produced a new digital spot. And the sort of question that they're asking in this is you love black culture but do you love me and to start it's beautifully shot like just from like a design and visual uh perspective like it's incredible the vignettes the art direction the lighting everything's stunning but i think the message and specifically the messengers are the people who are speaking directly to the camera and asking that question it's it's just really moving and i think that's something that I want out of the content I'm consuming is for it to make me think, to make me reflect on who I am. Um, and really, I just like that this message in particular is asking the user to think about something or the audience to think about something bigger within themselves. Um, and I appreciate that, that ask and hopefully call to action. Um, and I highly and recommend watching it. It's, that's, it's amazing. I, I have, I have heard about it. I will say I have not seen this yet, but I will, I'm going to watch it immediately after this, but it's just even hearing the emotion that that, uh, 
the react the emotional reaction that that um, you know that caused for you um, is telling to to say that that's almost I don't want to call it an expectation, but when marketing when creative can create that kind of an emotional reaction, you know it's good. You know mm-hmm. when as you said it. it causing you to ask yourself questions about your own belief systems. That's really powerful. Um, yeah, I can see uh, how that um, makes an impact. And, and especially right now with the, the overall just racial reckoning and, and folks having these difficult conversations from a DEI perspective, have you all seen your clients? I'll kind of bring it back there. Is, is that been an ask um, to really start to tell those stories about from a um, corporate or, or enterprise perspective about what your clients are doing um, from a diversity and, and uh, inclusion perspective? I know for us personally, as, as an organization, it's, it's just, it's been an ongoing conversation and something mm-hmm. that we're um, making sure that we are mindful of, not only from like sort of the messaging and storytelling the opportunities that we have with our clients, but also and um, how we are sort of educating ourselves and being mindful of um, personal bias and influence and in, in the content we create. Uh, certainly, a an important lens in hiring and and just just across the board. I think um, important that we are putting that at the forefront of of all the things that we're doing um, and holding ourselves accountable to that um, and. And so, yeah, it's, it's really hear. important. Absolutely. No, and, and, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll couple this in with sort of getting onto a deep topic there with, with the racial reckoning in, in our world, in our society, coupled with this global pandemic, which we've referenced a few times already. It's hard not to. I mean, is, is that sort of another impact of, of COVID on your overall uh, creative creation process you know is there this need is there this ask to be that much more thoughtful to invoke that kind of emotion because of these things and including uh the the global pandemic is that what's what you all are seeing i think the the push to be to be more thoughtful should just be how how we are all functioning um in pre-covid now post-covid but i think particularly for us it certainly adds a layer of like um, introspection and, and also just thoughtfulness and how, again, I speak back to like biases, but like being very aware that um, the audiences you're trying to reach are experiencing the impact of COVID and the pandemic in very unique ways to their own experience, whether that's where they live, how they work where they work, their access to healthcare. There's just so many contributing factors that require us to make sure that we're thinking outside of ourselves to be thoughtful and inclusive. Um, something I talk about with my team all the time and just something that, especially within this last year, I've been particularly reflective on is, um, especially as it relates to design, I think when you're creating art um, or products, like thinking about designing um, and challenging our personal biases that biases that inform the work we do. So I think like it's our responsibility as designers and content creation creators and messengers to be aware of our personal biases and, and challenge those in the way um, they may inform the work that we do. So something 
that, you know, making sure you're not centering yourself in the work you're creating and really being mindful of your audience. Um, and in this case, with the, with the extra layer of COVID, being mindful of like the nuances of how messages may not track in this moment and that things can come off very insincere and insensitive um, and to not make, make light of the personal challenges and struggles that people are going through. Um, and so, again, I think it all goes back to like having a very robust sort of insights gathering and research process, then sitting with the creative and poking holes in it and checking all of these sort of opportunities for uh, the message to be flawed or to be received in a way that's not favorable. So I, I, thoughtfulness is paramount for that. I, I cannot agree with you more. I mean, poking holes in it to see how the message could be flawed. That's it, just so smart from a strategic perspective, because you do need to look through all of these different lenses and putting yourself in all of these different shoes and situations and all the unique uh, experiences that everyone is going through. And trying to do that is not easy, but asking those hard questions and having those hard conversations. Absolutely. I can see how that tells a better story at the end of the day. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's just, it's just crazy to think I, I, I was thinking in my head about, um, about picks about my wife and we, you know, we had the conversation about wearing masks in our Christmas card, right? This is, I mean, this is a silly story to, to try to lighten the mood a little bit here, but that's not going to go well, right? That's not a, that's not a good thing to show. People are losing loved ones. It is not, it is a serious issue. And we were not, obviously we were just doing it because it is part of our, our lives. You know, our kids are having to wear masks. I'm having to wear masks on a, on a daily basis. Um, but again, just recognizing that that on a Christmas card is, is likely not a good message. And I hope, and I'm sure you'll see it. I'm sure you'll see this, um, whether in your personal life or in, in creative examples that you've seen. I don't know if you've got any off the top of your head, but one of, one of the other questions I was wanting to get to, I think, is when you see this disconnect, when that message is flawed, you know, is there um, any examples you have of where the medium and the message aren't uh, telling a great story or when the, when the creative didn't support the message or the message wasn't packaged creatively. And obviously we don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be focused on the, the COVID aspect of it, but any other examples you have of when there's this disconnect between um, what the client is trying to say and maybe the channels that they're trying to say it on or, or how they want it packaged versus perhaps how it should be packaged. Totally. And for what it's worth, I think we all, while it's really important to poke holes in creative and we should be doing that no matter what, I think with your personal anecdote specifically, we also need to cut ourselves a little bit of slack and know that it's okay to not get things right or, you know, to have a conversation about it after the fact, like let's normalize, like having a conversation if things aren't, if messages aren't tracking, like that's, a, that's okay too. And that's, that's part of this. Um, but I think to answer your question about disconnect, this is definitely a much more light, lighthearted example. And sorry, I took it into a heavier space. But um, if you think back to February of this year, which feels like a lifetime ago, um, we had the NBA All-Star Game. And so the NBA, if you remember, engaged with TikTok influencers, the Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio and Addison Ray had them at the All-Star Game. And I think this is a perfect example of one, maybe lack of strategy, but also like just kind of missing 
missing a bigger opportunity to tell a, a deeper story because they had these uh, young women courtside and in the studio, like doing their TikTok dances and um, wearing bulls gear and stuff. And, and the point I'm sort of getting at is like, the NBA was trying to include TikTokers in their um, broadcast, but didn't have any real strategy for how to engage them in a way that amplifies the game story or the NBA story. It was really just kind of like a sideshow. And I think for the older, like the older crowd watching uh, the all-star game, trying to figure out who these girls are and like, what, what's the intent behind having them? I think they knew they, they needed to engage a younger, like a younger audience of the 13 and up crowd. Um, and so they brought them on board, but I think they kind of missed the mark in creating a more, like it's just a richer storytelling opportunity, like maybe some like more focused TikTok content that made sense for the game and for them. But instead they just sort of had them as a sideshow. And I, I felt like it was a really confusing missed opportunity. Um, that, that's so. a good example, I think, especially because it it relates to the, the kind of shiny object syndrome that I'm sure you see where clients just see the channel TikTok in this example and not necessarily how to connect the content on that channel to their own story, to your point. Mm-hmm. Um, if somehow they could have connected whatever the content these TikTokers were were putting out with uh, with the game, it would have been more obvious to folks who are not familiar with the channel. But in this case, it and I, I think that there's probably some uh, great stories in there of, of clients, I'm sure, that asking like, we need TikTok. We, I know we need TikTok. I, I, mm-hmm. Instagram, I know we need Instagram. And that's kind of what I was getting at of, do you all steer into specific channels? Do you think about the medium as you're thinking about the creative out- output as you're telling these stories? Tell me a little bit about how you all approach uh, the, the digital channels themselves. Yeah, so uh, we absolutely think about the channels. I think we, and and the messaging strategy has to be tailored appropriately to each channel so that you you know what the what the users and the audience are coming into when they're on that channel, what types of content they want to see and engage with, and you're and you're adjusting um, to fit that. Um, so for us, when when we're building a broader strategy for a client, we we create what we call sort of like our our playbook, um, which is outlining sort of messaging strategy, messaging pillars, audiences, and then has a specific platform strategy that supports that okay. sort of platform, campaign platform, brand message. Um, and we do that very specifically um, or very intentionally because we want to make sure that we have a broader sort of message that we're trying to communicate, but we're dialing in on all of those specific channels to make sure that the message resonates on that platform, but that it's also uniquely tailored for that platform. So um, down to like specific language, visual assets, when we're using motion graphics, when we're using static graphics, when we're using video, um, when we're not at all. And and so I think um, a lot of that is platform specific, but very we're just very intentional with how we approach those to make sure that it, it resonates and it doesn't just look like we're checking the box. Like that's obviously the last thing that you would want to do. And so you really need to focus and prioritize specific messaging for each channel. Yes. The the folks using these channels, the folks with whom you are communicating with are very savvy users. You know, right. I, it is very blatantly obvious to me when somebody has taken their, you know, pre-existing content for some other channel, cropped it and thrown it on Instagram, um, whether that's just the crop on it or to your point, the actual, the elements on the, 
the asset themselves were taken straight off of a Snapchat filter, right? It, mm-hmm. Users are savvy and they know when, um, and I like that, that you're thinking through the context of each channel and showing up with intent in whatever story that is, because you need it to uh, work well on that channel. I'm, I'm going to shift gears once again and, and kind of start to tie a bow on, on all of this. Um, one of the, the things that I don't think we've talked a little about here is how you all are measuring the success of these. So as soon as I get into the channels, I, my head goes to that's really where the data and analytics aspect of things come out. What are your clients asking in terms of reporting and metrics and, and how are you all showing success uh, from the creative output and the campaigns that you're running? Yeah, I mean, I think measuring intent is is huge, and and that's really the only way that we know that our work is performing and engaging. So there's a lot there's a lot of like testing that goes on in the onset. So a lot of A/B testing for social campaigns that we're doing, and then a lot of like post reporting on its success, and then pivoting, auditing, adapting, pivoting our plan um, as we go. Um, and so we either through um, partnerships with other organizations or agencies develop our uh, a more robust sort of research and analytics uh, reporting, or we we do that internally as well. We've got a team that focuses on um, gathering those insights and creating reports back for um, us to prepare for our clients to just show them um, which work is performing well. I think a lot of like the only way that we know if our message has been successful, it can make us feel good. But like, if we don't have the numbers to know that people are engaging right. with it and, and the message is resonating, like it doesn't mean anything, it's just like shouting into the void. Um, so we are, we do rely on that to drive um, how we pivot our strategy or how we continue to expand it. Um, and I think that that's sort of the, the integral step in making sure that the work that you're doing is effective and it's reaching the right audiences. Um, so. Well, Definitely. and I'll, I'll call back to eliciting that emotional reaction. You know, that is probably the hardest part to measure, um, but you, you can, I mean, it, it might be through um, a myriad of ways to show that, that somebody is reacting or engaging with the, the social content. And maybe it's not a direct attribution back to purchase of whatever, you know, the Beats headphones in that example. But if, if your customers are asking themselves that kind of an emotional question, now you've created um, a real connection with the brand. And that is immeasurable in many ways. Um, so, so one of the last questions here is, is kind of bringing it back to Artemis. Um, it was in Transform's October interview with Joel, uh, the co-founder of Artemis Ward. They asked him with the COVID-19 pandemic and the world under lockdown, the creative sector has really relied on digital solutions uh, even more than before. So, you know, do you see this trend continuing Um, Will we see kind of a digital only creative world? We talked a little bit about video, but I want to hear your thoughts on, um, you know, the creative sector relying on, on digital solutions moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I think Joel was spot on in in how he sort of responded to that similar question, which is, you know, as long as we live in the physical world, uh, we won't see just a digital only world. Like there, there's no, um, there's certainly been more of a priority on the digital space in this moment. Um, but I think it's less of a matter of replacement and more about just better and smarter integration of the two. Cause I think even in pre COVID times, I mean, 
we were seeing a steady increase in sort of like the melding of how we think about digital versus non-digital. So I don't see a digital only creative world anytime soon, but at the very least I can see post COVID uh, a world that finds ways to integrate like the bright spots of what we've learned about being able to be more connected in this moment. Um, and what I mean by that is like uh, COVID and like a global quarantine um, for those fortunate enough to have tech and inter internet resources has made it, it was just normalized access to art and people and communities, um, even therapy and doctors for that matter. But I think it's created just more access and opportunity for us to engage with one another. Um, and like an example of this is this morning, we had uh, Creative Mornings DC, which I'm a part of the like volunteer group for that. And it's, for those who don't know, it's like a monthly lecture series that we used to, when we were meeting in, in physical spaces, we used to host in galleries and museums and music venues across DC and have uh, a speaker talk about a theme for that month. And and in in this COVID era, like all of that on virtual, but it's opened up an opportunity for us to expand our community. So we have people mm -hmm. joining from like LA and Seattle and Tokyo, like at, you know, 9am on a fr the last Friday of the month to be a part of our community. And I think the access and ability for people to engage um, no matter where they are is really, really awesome. And so I hope that as we move to a, a hopefully soon post COVID world, that we're not missing opportunities to continue to create access to art and communities. And we're just finding a way to make that integration feel more seamless. Um, Cause I think there we've had just such a great opportunity to engage with people um, in, in different spaces and different places. And, and so I'd like to see more of that uh, interwoven into the physical space as we move forward. I love that you see how, creative and, and your contribution and community building and hopefully continuing this into that post-COVID world can make the world a better place. And, and your contribution to that uh, will undoubtedly be uh, so important. So, so thank you, Danielle, so much for joining the show. Um, this is Danielle McKendrick, the creative director at Artemis Word. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Content Design and Delivery Podcast with Michael Toner. 